Well, it is a joy to be with you this morning again and excited to be a part of the worship today and also for the future that God has for this church and what God's going to do. And uh, I appreciate the invitation, Brother Dave, to come and preach. Enjoyed uh, the time yesterday with your pastor search committee. And you've got a good group of men who are leading at this point, And I think they are diligently seeking whom God has chosen to be the next pastor of your church. And so uh, enjoyed having the time to talk and pray and, and uh, look to the future. So there's a great future that God has for Moundsville Baptist, and that's the message that I want to bring to you this morning. I want you to keep your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 1, because we're going to walk through this text together. But I want you to think about uh, that your church, Moundsville Baptist, stands at the precipice of a great time in history. While it seems like there's some foreboding, perhaps a lot of uncertainty, you know, what's going to happen next... Because we don't know. The good news is God does know. And so it is in this time of interim that there is a period of preparation. It's not a time for God's people just to sit back and to soak. It's not a time for God's people to get lazy. It's a time for God's people to prepare. That's what was taking place here in Joshua. First chapter where we understand the children of Israel getting ready to go into the promised land. Understand that the promised land does not represent heaven. I know there's some songs where we talk about the Jordan and it's crossing over the Jordan to get into heaven. And, and, and that's an okay analogy. But here in this text, and especially as you go into the New Testament and you see the, the use of that analogy, it's not about us going into heaven. It is about us stepping into the will of God. When Joshua mentions the rest of God, coming into His rest, it's not talking about that we get back and we're lazy and we do nothing. The rest of God is the idea of being in the center of the will of God. When there is the will of God and when you as a Christian, when you as a church are in the center of the will of God, there is peace. There is rest. And so you're getting ready to embark into a new future. You're ready, getting ready to cross over. You're getting ready to step into a new phase of the will of God that God has for Moundsville Baptist Church. So, what should you do? Well, let's get ready to prepare for the future. Let's get ready to claim the future that God has for this church and has for you. Well, how do you do that? How, how do you claim God's future? Well, let me, let me share with you several things that, uh, that we'll discover from the text. Number one is that uh, you must build upon God's faithfulness, His trustworthiness in the past. If you're going to claim the future that God has for you, say, what, what steps do we take as a church? What steps... Do I take as a believer? Well, you've got to build upon the trustworthiness of God in the past. Think about Moundsville Baptist for a moment. Started in 1903. You think about all the things that this church has been through. Though there, there's none of you that are charter members, I, I would assume. But you know the history of the church. If you go into the back, you see a lot of the pictures 
that talk about the history and show the history. This is a church that has gone through the Great Depression. This is a church that has gone through two world wars. This is a church that has gone through the Great Recession. This is a church that has experienced all of those things. And yet, I want you to think about it. This church still survives. How do you get to that point of not just being a surviving church, but you become a thriving church? It is to remember the trustworthiness of God. While it may seem, man, things are just not easy right now. I mean, the economy is not good in, in West Virginia. The economy is not good, perhaps, in Moundsville. You know, there's a lot of problems. The opiate crisis. There's, there's all kinds of things that we could focus on here in West Virginia. But the fact is, all you need to do is to look back. And you'll see the hand and the faithfulness of God throughout all of that period through everything that God has done. So, what is He calling us to do? Well, it's to trust His trustworthiness. is to rest upon His trustworthiness. So, what that means is, one, is not that we live in the past. I want you to notice what the text says. Verse 2, Joshua makes just a very kind of a really blunt statement. He says, in quoting God as God speaks, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. God speaks. And He says, I've risen up. I've I, I brought up Joshua, the son of Nun. But understand that, that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, He wasn't discrediting Moses. Please don't misunderstand that. But there would be a, a, a huge temptation that as they go through the problems that they're facing, you remember this is after 40 years that they've wandered in the wilderness. God had brought them to the region of Kadesh Barnea and had said, I want you to cross over. And they sent in the spies and the spies came back and they said, you know, this is a land of, of giants. Ten of them gave the report and said, we cannot cross over. And they decided not to. And now, for 40 years, they've been wandering in the wilderness. God once again has brought them to a place of crossing. It was Moses, you remember, who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. For 430 years, they'd been held captive. They had been in slavery. It was Moses who brought them. It was Moses who has led them during these 40 years of wandering. It is Moses that God used to, to bring provision. And so it wasn't that they were to discredit all that Moses did, but they weren't to worship all that Moses did. It was time for a new leader. It was time for a new future for them. And so what they needed to do is not discredit what Moses did, but to honor what Moses did. What I would say to what your church must do is honor what God has done in your church in the past. Don't discredit the past. Don't ignore the past. Look to what God did yesterday. Look what God did a decade ago. Look what God has done over the decades to say God has been faithful to us. God has been trustworthy to us. Even though we've gone through difficult times as a church, God has been good to us. So, to claim God's future, you need to build upon God's trustworthiness in the past, the second thing that you'll need to do is, is that you've got to trust God's promises. You realize God's a God of promise? 
He's made multiple, multiple promises to us. And there were promises that God was making to Joshua. There are promises that God makes to us as a church. And what God says is to trust the promises that He makes. Well, let me focus on three of the promises that God makes here. Number one is the promise of of His protection. He says that, No one will be able to stand against you. This is verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. So not only had I been with Moses, but he says, I'm going to be with you, and the way that I'm going to be with you is no one's going to be able to stand against you. It doesn't mean they're not going to be able to oppose you. You remember in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath opposed the children of Israel. In fact, the Bible says that he stood against them. Well, to stand against doesn't mean there's not going to be people that won't be against the church. It won't mean, doesn't mean that there's not anybody going to be against Christianity because there will be. But they won't be able to stand against us to keep the church from accomplishing the task that they're going to accomplish. You say, how do you know that? You remember what happened to Goliath? You see, there's giants in the land, are there not? There are those giants of opposition. There's that giant of discouragement. And we wonder, how are we going to face all of these things? Remember that God is a God of protection. His hand is on this church. And He's the one who's going to take care of you. Second promise is that of His presence. He says, just as I was with Moses... I will be with you. Look at verse 5. He says, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. The word leave is a word that means I will not fail you. To forsake means that I'm going to leave you destitute. So that's, that's one of the great issues of faith for us as believers. We are so afraid, you think about it. We are so afraid to sell out completely to God, to totally become what God wants us to be as a church, to become a church, to become a a people, to become a Christian who definitely and totally lives his or her life by faith because we're afraid that God's going to leave us destitute. See, the truth is, you become a person of faith and there is that risk that you take that you're going to be left holding the proverbial bag. That you're going to be left embarrassed. That God's going to to leave you alone. And there you are standing saying, I'm standing for God. You're going to look around. You're the only one standing. That's what we're afraid of. And so we always say, you know, we're trusting God, but we're always introducing human thought, human effort. You know, it's, it's that, false theology that says God helps those that help themselves. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says God helps those who totally surrender to Him. That just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Just as God was with the people in 1903 when they established this church, just as with as God was with the church back in the Great Depression, during the Great Wars, during the Great Difficulties, as God has been with this church in the past, you got to trust God is going to be with us. His presence will be there. Here's a third promise that He makes. 
is the promise of His prosperity. Now, I don't mean prosperity as you see on television with some of the the preachers there. We're not going to take up an offering here in just a minute, Brother Jim, so don't worry about that. I do have a prayer cloth, and you can, for $100... uh, Now, what God means about prosperity is what He says back in verse 7 and then in verse 8, where He he says in in verse 7 that that don't turn from the right or the left, that you may have success or you may prosper wherever you go. Listen to this. That word prosper there in verse 7 is a word that means to act wisely. Now listen to this. To act wisely or to make right decisions. In verse 8, he says... Don't let this depart, that you may observe everything, that you will prosper, or that you will be prosperous. That word to prosper means to reach the goal to successfully accomplish a task. Now think about it as a church. What are the two great fears that we have? That we're going to make wrong decisions. Number two, that we're going to fail. Is that not right? Think about it. Think of of the the process right now. We're looking for a pastor for this church that's going to lead this church in the next decade and beyond. And the great fear that you have is, what if we get the wrong guy? Well, let's, let's then bring in human thought, human wisdom, human action into it. And then why is it that the church stops doing what they're doing? It's not because we don't believe God. It's because we are afraid that we're going to fail. But here's what God says. You become a church that trusts God. You become a church that sells out and says, All right, God, we're going to follow You. We're going to trust You. We're going to be the kind of church that You want us to be. And you'll see more of what that means in a minute. God says the promises He makes is that you will make right choices and right decisions. And number two, that you won't fail. That's, that's the promise He makes to you as a believer. I mean, think about it. Why is it as Christians that we, we sort of let God in on stuff, you know, when we're praying about something? I mean, we know as Christians, well, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to pray about it. And so we go through the, the motions of, well, God, I, I'm getting ready to look into this business. God, I'm getting ready to look into this school. God, I'm getting ready to, to make this decision. And I, I want you involved. And then we kind of take all that God says and we set it aside. And then we make up our lists and we say, all right, let me make my choice. Because we're afraid that God's going to let us down. You know, when uh, you're single, you don't pray really about what spouse God's going to bring to you because you're afraid that it'll be His will He'll give you somebody ugly. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, isn't isn't that what God does? You know, that's the spiritual thing. He's going to give you somebody ugly, and then you say you're going to pray about your career, and God's going to send you to Africa. 
Or worse yet, he'll send you to Ohio. You know? None of you Ohio State fans, no offense to you guys. But that's what we're afraid of. If God really gets involved, God doesn't want what's best for me. But look at what the text says. He says, I will do these things, what? So that you will succeed and you will prosper. God wants what's best for this church. You realize that? Trust Him. Believe His promises because His promises tell us of His protection, His presence, and His prosperity. But but how do you do that? Well, then, it's this third step. See, how do we, how do we claim the future? Well, we, we build upon the past. We trust the promises of God. Number three, you must have the courage to believe God's faithfulness. His trustworthiness, His promises, His faithfulness. Look at, uh, look at verse six. He says, to be strong and of good courage, to be strong and very courageous. That word strong is a word that is used for strength in battle. You think of all of the battles that Israel had and all of the times, not that they went in as the champion or they went in as, as the, the, the winner, they went in as the underdog. How many times they went in and they were going against nations that were far greater, far more prepared, better warriors, had far more warriors than what Israel had, and yet why, did, why were they victorious? It is because God led them into battle. And so he says to be strong in battle, and then he says to be courageous. To have a strong Mind Together, those words are describing to have a, a fearlessness. Well, Israel now has a new leader. Some would say, well, he was untested. No, Joshua wasn't untested. The first 40 years of his life, he spent making bricks in Egypt. The second 40 years of his life, he spent leading the armies of God. He spent in the wilderness helping to lead the people of God. Now, he has risen up that he will be the leader. He is the successor of Moses. And the question is, can Joshua do this? Well, the reason why Joshua could do it was not because of his own power, not because of his own ability, not because of his own past. The reason why Joshua would be able to lead the people of God, listen to this, is because God had chosen him. And so God says, be strong, be of good courage. When you recognize... When you look back and you see how trustworthy God has been, when you understand that God is a God who keeps His promises, it leads us to believe in the faithfulness of God. That God is a God who's never going to let you down. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through difficulties or trials or struggles. So, again, one of the false theologies out there is you get saved and you never have another problem in your life. I'm going to tell you, you get saved and you're just beginning with some problems. You've introduced some new problems into your life. 
But do you realize that it is through those problems that God leads you? One of the statements that He made to Israel in the book of Isaiah that uh, the children of Israel and things were just not well for them. And yet in chapter 41, verse 10, he says, Fear not. Listen to this. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And then listen to this. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. The hand of God represents the strength of God, the power of God, the authority of God. You say, how, how will our church succeed? How, how will our church make it in, in, in all the things that the church faces today? I'm going to tell you, it is because God holds us up with the strength of His own hand. And we trust Him in that. We need to have the courage, church, have the courage to follow God because God is faithful. Here's the fourth thing. So what else do I need to do? Well, the proof that you are building upon God's trustworthiness, the proof that you trust His promises, the proof that you are believing His faithfulness is that you obey His Word. Did you hear that? You say, well, how, how, how do we prove to God that, that we trust Him? And that we believe that He's a trustworthy God. How do, we, how do we prove to God that we believe that He's a God of promise? How do we prove to God that we believe that He is a faithful God? The answer is, obey what God says that you need to do. Two things that you need to do with God's Word. <clears throat> Number one is be committed to it. Look, look, at, uh, look at verse 7. <clears throat> he says... That above all, in being strong and courageous, be careful to observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. To observe the whole instruction. Now, that word to observe is not meaning to watch it. See, what a lot of times we do as Christians is we are observers. In worship, instead of being participants, what are we a lot of times? We're spectators. We come to watch the show. We are observing what's going on. That's, that's not the word that God uses here. The word that God uses here is that we are to guard it. That word observe means to guard the word, to keep the word. And notice what we're to keep. He says, to carefully observe the whole instruction, to observe all the law that God had, had given to us. So, what, what that means is that, that we carefully observe everything that God says. We take the Bible and we say we are committed 
to what the Bible says. If there's a, a, a decision that you've got to make, and I know you've already made this, but here's a, a, a decision to reaffirm as a church is to say we are going to be absolutely and totally committed absolutely to the inerrancy of the Scripture. To the truth of what the Bible teaches and everything that it says. Not just in this realm of the spiritual. But in every area of life, we're going to trust God. And the proof is we're going to obey what God says. We are committed to what God says. Second, we're going to be consistent with it. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night that you may, look at this, carefully observe everything written in it. And then you'll prosper, and then you'll have success. You want to know when the hand of God will be upon your church? You want to know when you'll see God do some great things in the life of Moundsville Baptist Church? It is when we as Christians carefully observe everything that God says. Not just in the spiritual realm, not just on Sunday while we're here worshiping, but it's when we take the Word of God and we begin to apply it to our families. We begin to apply it in how we act when we're at school on Monday. We begin to apply it by how we behave when we're at our jobs, the kind of employee or employer that we will be. It's when we take the Word of God and we apply it to our life when we're at Walmart shopping. When we're faced with temptation, when we're given an opportunity to do something and, and gain from it when someone else loses at our gain. It's saying, God, I'm not going to play games anymore with the Bible. I, I can't tell you in all the years that I, I served, was serving as a pastor, the number of times that I had men come up to me and they say, well, you know, preacher, all this Bible talk is, is really good, but what you've got to understand is that church is church and business is business. That's a lie. You see, what happens to us on Sunday ought to affect everything that happens to us Monday through Saturday. Would you agree? If y'all amen, we'll get done a whole lot faster. Amen. I'll start preaching fast when y'all start amening. You'll learn that. <laughs> it's taking the Bible and saying, everything that's in my life, I'm going to apply it. Every decision that I've got, man, I want God's hand to be on my church. I want God's hand to be on my family, to be on my job, to be on everything that I do. The answer is, take God's Word and be consistent with it. Apply it to every area of your life. And here's the last thing. You say, how do we claim God's future? Well, you must get ready for the future. So why has God brought us to an interim right now at this point? You know, why is it that we don't have a pastor leave and then the next day a new pastor shows up? That, that happens sometimes. But in most churches, when a pastor leaves, there's a period of interim before the next pastor comes, before God reveals who the next man is going to be. So, why, why, did, why did God have that interim? Well, you can look back at Israel. God had an interim for them, but it was during that interim that God says, one, I'm going to prepare you, 
Because there's something bigger, something greater than what you have experienced. So what does He want you to do? How do you prepare for the future? One is, you need to serve. Listen to this. You need to serve faithfully. Go to verse 11. He says, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go to the camp, tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you're going to be crossing the Jordan. Take possession of the land that God, the Lord your God, is giving you. There's a time now where people need to step up and say, I'm going to begin to serve. I'm going to begin teaching a class. I, I'm going to make myself available to serve on, on a committee or on a board. I, I'm going to serve in, in various areas. I'm just going to make myself available to prepare myself so that when our new pastor comes, we're ready to go. God has a future for your church. God's ready to do something in the life of your church. What He's saying now is prepare yourself by serving now. The last thing that anybody in this church needs to do is to say, well, we don't have a pastor. I think we're going to take some time off. That's temptation, isn't it? You know, we don't have a regular preacher, so let's go visit Grandma this next Sunday. Let's go, let's go do something else the next... We don't really need to be here. This is a time... Well, let's go look at some other churches for a while. No, this is the time to get ready and to begin serving God... Begin finding those ways. How can you plug into this church? Get involved in this church. Don't sit on the sidelines during this time of interim. It is a time of preparation for what God is going to do. And a part of that preparation is you need to be serving. Second, is that you need to prepare spiritually. Verse 14, he's going to hold back the young children, the livestock, the wives, the vulnerable. But he says, you're fighting men. Look at, look at verse 14. Your men, of, your men of valor must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives our brothers rest. There's a time when we all come together and we begin to work and prepare spiritually. Why? Because doing church today is a spiritual battle. You want to know why it's so difficult to do church? Why, why is it? I mean, you think, man, church is just the easiest thing to do. Why is it so difficult? Why is it difficult to live the Christian life? Anybody find it difficult to live the Christian life at times? Well, all of you do because you're a bunch of liars. Nobody, nobody raised their hand. You already failed the test. You already failed right there. All right. Anybody find it difficult to live the Christian life? This is not a rhetorical question. Go ahead. All right. It's tough. Anybody find it difficult at times to witness? Okay. Why, why do you find it difficult to witness? Is it because you don't love Jesus? Is it because you don't believe that someone outside of Christ is lost? Is that why? No, it's not. The reason is because when you start to enter that conversation with that person who is outside of Christ, you begin to enter into a spiritual warfare, wrestling for the souls of men and women. And it is tough. It is a battle. And you say, how can we win that battle? The answer is, prepare yourself spiritually. 
Man, utilize everything that this church offers to help you be discipled. Don't grow complacent in your walk with Christ. Don't, don't allow spiritual things to be set aside as secondary. Make sure that Christ and His church is a priority in your life, especially during this time of interim, so that as we get ready for the battle, man, God's ready to do something. He's taking us into Jordan. He's taking us into His will. How do we get there? The answer is be ready spiritually as a Christian. I don't know what the plan is that God has for your church. I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did where I could look in and say, here's, the, here's what God's going to do. But what I do know is that God has a plan for your church. And He's calling your church to claim the future. To step into the future that God has. God's ready, getting ready to lead you into something new, into a new path that you've never been on before. But what He calls for you is to trust Him, to believe Him, have the courage to follow Him, obey His Word in everything that you do, and then make sure that you're prepared. You do those things, and your church will be ready to claim God's future. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank You for what Your Word teaches us, and and what we learn, we're thankful for the preparation that, that You've given us to step into Your will. Uh, Father, I know that You have a purpose and a plan for Moundsville Baptist. Even as, as we get ready to share in the Lord's Supper today, it's a time of spiritual preparation. And so, Lord, You begin to move in the hearts of these believers, and You begin to to do something mighty in the life of this church. May the days of future be greater than any days that this church has ever experienced because your hand is on this place. And it is in the name of our Savior Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who gives us this future that we pray together. Amen. Let me invite you. We're going to have a time of invitation it's, it's an opportunity to respond that if God's been speaking to you and speaking to your heart today or maybe in days past, it's time to say, God, I need to respond to you. We want to give you a chance to respond. My, my first challenge would be to those of you, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's not just about being a church member or not just about whether you go to church, but it's about... Have you repented of your sin, personally repented of your sin, and trusted in Christ as your Savior? If not, here's what's going to happen. We're going to stand in just a second, and we're going to begin singing a song of invitation. And we call it an invitation because as we're singing, we're inviting you to respond. And Pastor Ron, if it's okay, I'll make myself available here at the front. And, and if, if you need to come and and talk about what it means to follow Christ, to trust in Christ. You come find me. You slip out of one of the aisles, you come find me. And just say, tell me how I can follow Christ today. Tell me what it means to be a follower, a believer in Jesus.
It's also time to invite you, if you're not a member of this church, let me invite you to come and and begin the process of requesting membership. And to say, you know, I, I want... Our family, during this interim, we are buying in. We're, we, we're selling out and we're buying in. We want to be a part of what Moundsville Baptist means. And so I would invite you to come and, and share with me. I, I, I want to begin that process and we'll get you connected with Brother Dave, Brother Ron, and, and the men of the church. And you can begin that process of what it means to become a member of this congregation. But the biggest invitation is to the believers here, the members here. In a minute, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Time of the Lord's Supper is to remember the faithfulness of God, of what He did for us through Jesus, and how that affects our lives even to this day. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of rejoicing. And so I I would invite you as a believer, maybe you just need to come and kneel there at the front and do business with God. Pastor Ron, if it's okay, we'll just make this front and altar. And if you want to come and do business here, you come and do business here.